Welcome to the Paychex HR Leadership Series podcast. We're here to help you keep your finger on the pulse of HR by bringing you smart conversations with the thinkers and newsmakers in our industry. I'm your host, Rob Parsons. I lead the content team here at Paychex, and my goal is to provide you with useful insights and practical information, and hopefully more than a little inspiration. Joining me today is Gene Meister. Gene is founding partner of Future Workplace, an HR advisor and research firm. Paychex has teamed up with Gene to launch a research series dedicated to investigating employees' top concerns, priorities, and predictions as the modern workplace continues to evolve. Today, we'll be discussing her latest findings around retaining talent amidst the great resignation. Gene, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me. I'm excited about having this conversation. Yeah, it's a great topic, and it's a great topic to cover off with employees. You know, after all, they're the ones we're trying to retain here, aren't they? Absolutely, and um, a lot of the a lot of the current research looks at the top line numbers of how, what percent of employees are looking for a job. What's unique about this research is that we've segmented um, answers to to key questions like. Post-pandemic, will you be looking for a new job? And we've segmented by what we think is a really important area. How do workers work? Are they working fully in person? Are they working fully remotely or some hybrid work environment? You know, that's that's really interesting. I thought that difference between fully work from home and hybrid situations was it quite honestly took me by surprise. They both spoke to flexibility, and yet there were some dramatic differences. What did you get out of that data? Yeah, well, the you know basically the, the top line is a third of employees at the companies we've researched, 630 of these employees report they're looking for a new job. Um, but if you're working fully remote, you're less likely, significantly less likely to be looking for a new job than if you were in a hybrid situation. I think the hybrid still gives you that level of control or options about how you work, where you work, and when you work. um, And so that seems to be what a vast majority of employees want. So there's so much emphasis on how to make this hybrid workplace successful. And it really starts with defining what it is for the organization and its culture. So what we found is that actually, you know, 58% of those working um, fully remote are are less likely than those working in a hybrid situation um, to be looking for a job. It's gotta be that, that fully remote situation just really doesn't bring any of the hassles at all. Even hybrid, even if it gives you flexibility and control, there's probably still that layer of friction uh, that many people, now that we've been home, uh, just aren't willing to settle for anymore. Yeah, and and if the data goes deeper when we look at um, what are some of the barriers, you know, holding you back, right? And that was really interesting. The top barrier was the commute back and forth to the office. So these two go hand in hand. Rob, I remember, actually it was last, late last summer when there was an article in the New York Times, as you know, I'm a New Yorker, and they predicted 
the most dangerous part of going back to the office of your commute will be the elevator if you work in a city. And, and our data shows the commute back and forth to the office, you know, in public transportation, and then the elevator is a significant issue for a lot of employees, especially today, as we're talking with the Delta variant in play. For sure. And, and, and really that, that feeling of just lost time, time just taken away from me. I, I can sympathize. Um, another thing I found interesting was the, and it shouldn't be a surprise, the best way to keep someone is to pay them more money. It, but it does seem the labor market is experiencing that same kind of upward adjustment we've been seeing in real estate. I know everybody wants a raise, but the fact that people are getting them consistently, that people are getting new jobs for more money, that's that's telling, don't you think? Yeah, it, it really is telling. But again, we have to peel down uh, behind the data and the retail sector itself, 649,000 retail workers gave their notice in the month of April. So that was the sector when we asked people what, you know, what were the factors in, in keeping them loyal, that was, you know, that sector was really more likely than any other sector to be looking for a new job. So why? Well, I think they've experienced, you know, the uncertainty of working in that sector. And many of them are not just looking for a new job, they're totally switching careers, right? So they're, they're taking, you know, new courses, they're looking for a, uh, a new career, a new, um, a new job with a new employer, totally out of retail. And some of them are still struggling with childcare issues. Um, and so the new careers out of retail are ones that you can still use your excellent customer service skills in retail, but you can go work for a bank or an insurance company, right? Something that is perceived to be a little more stable for what these retail workers have been through. So I think that, you know, it, it's a really interesting analogy that, you know, it's a supply and demand issue. Clearly, that's why we have this is the year of the pay raise. If there if there ever was a year. <laughs> well, don't tell any of my writers that. OK, <laughs> OK, <laughs> I, I know raises aren't always an option and benefits yeah. tend to be an underutilized tool when it comes to retaining employees, you know, especially with smaller businesses. Um, what did the research tell us about the most desired benefits and and, and something else I found interesting is what did it tell us about how different generations perceive these benefits? Yes, yes. So um, obviously an increase in your pay and a stay bonus or a sign-on bonus was number one and two, right? But as you said, not everybody, not every employer can do this. So the younger employers, the millennials and the Gen Zs are particularly interested in lifestyle benefits and, and wellness benefits. So um, company funded headspace meditation app or company funded fitness um, providers on an app like Aptivid, which, which happens to be one. Um, obviously flexible working hours is now a key benefit, right? That that's what now that people have tasted flexibility and where and when they work, they, they perceive that as a really strong benefit. There's an interesting one that I've, I've done some um, looking into, and it's companies are cropping up 
offering an emergency savings account. Um, so that it's another, you know, financial wellness benefit, right. especially yeah. um, targeting young employees that could run into any number of issues, you know, their car breaks down or, or anything. And it's, you know, it's an employer matching benefit might not cost employers that much money. It's, but it's one to look into um, because we, we are seeing these lifestyle benefits are becoming more important than just extra money for the for the younger workers, which is the segment that employers are trying to hold on to. And it's it's so interesting. It's it's almost like we're not going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. People have seen how fragile uh, an employment situation can be. They're looking for more stability. Stability. So I could see how uh, that emergency fund could be a really desirable benefit. They realized. When they lost that job, when that retailer closed and yeah. sent them home, uh, that they need that nest egg. They absolutely need that nest egg for an emergency. And, and research has shown that that workers overall have very little money, $400 saved for emergency. So this, this is a really interesting benefit. The other one is tuition reimbursement or employers looking at their tuition reimbursement policies, which haven't been used enough by employ by employees, but now we're beginning to see employees paying special attention to how do I develop new skills, maybe for a new career, so I can position myself for, you know, if God forbid the next pandemic comes my way, I have a stronger and more robust set of skills. What did you see around more seasoned workers where where there is, you know, we used to call it the brain drain when the people that knew what was going on left the company. Uh, and, and, and many times those are even more important to keep because you can bring in people and train them, but you have to have that expertise there. Uh, what are those more seasoned, more experienced workers looking for? Well, I think it, it really um, it goes to employers taking a pulse or, you know, take, conducting their own pulse surveys and, and segmenting the data, just like we've segmented our data, right, by generation. I think what they're going to, what we found is that the more seasoned workers are looking for a fuller suite of mental health benefits and wellness benefits. Over the past year and a half, they've been battling with um, managing work from home, managing homeschooling, and maybe even managing aging parents and, and God forbid, the whole um, COVID situation in their homes or, or in their families. So um, mental health and well-being um, in our own research at Future Workplace is the number one issue that a growing number of employers are really focused on assessing what are their current benefit situations and what could they be offering over the next year. And I know we've we've had some discussions around this and, and there is a lot of work to be done. You know, work has turned into that place of stability for so many. Uh, so it only makes sense that that as employers, we do our very best to help our workers be their very best. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think looking ahead um, for employers, I think that the question then becomes, what can they be doing to hold on to their best talent, regardless of their age? 
right? So I think step one is the way employers approach the hybrid workplace, defining it, what it means for their organization and their culture, understanding what the challenges are and what they've learned over the last year and a half will really have a lasting impact on who stays, who exits, and who wants to build their skill set so that they're a more valued employee in their organization. So that really, I think our research puts that notion front and center regarding employee loyalty. I think communicating with your employees on a regular basis um, and understanding which benefits are um, appropriate for which segments of your uh, workforce are key um, because it's not a one size fits all. Different segments want different things. Younger workers want lifestyle benefits, slightly more seasoned workers want more of a, a focus on health, mental health and, and employee well-being. So it's a conversation to start. Um, I think the second thing is um, in terms of the barriers of returning to the workplace, the office, um, this whole number one barrier of the commute to work and the health and sanitation practices of the employer are key to, to uh, really define them and then, and then communicate them in a really clear way so that employees returning to the office have reassurance that they're going to have a safe and healthy workplace for themselves, right? And I think finally, um, setting some guidelines for you know, what hybrid is um, for the organization and one of the important issues that came up was one of equity, Rob. And that was around when we asked, what are some of the barriers of returning to the workplace? And for those workers that, as, we, as I said, we segmented the um, fully remote and the hybrid workers from those that are fully in person, their, one of their concerns was, am I gonna miss out on career advancement networking, stretch assignments, because I'm not regularly in person in the office. So really communicating how the hybrid workplace is really defined and for all segments of workers, because and this equity issue, I think, is one that we're going to be seeing a lot more of as more workers return to the office. That's great, Gina. It's as you were speaking, it, so many of those points, you know, when, when employers think about communicating, they always think about projecting, sending out a message. But so much of what you're talking about really involves listening and opening up and really hearing what workers need and expect and then being responsive to that. And maybe that's the that's the most important lesson employers can take away from this research is it isn't one size fit all, fits all. You've got to listen to your employees and you've got to meet them halfway and, and work together to deliver solutions that'll work for everyone. Absolutely. And, and with an overall recognition that we need to be creating not just the best hybrid workplace, 
workplace, but the best human workplace. And when we create the best human workplace, we start with our workers at the center and really understand their needs and their fears and their anxieties about returning to the office. Love it. Jean, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. You're so welcome. I really enjoyed it, Rob. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining. I encourage you all to visit paychecks.com slash works. That's paychecks.com slash W-O-R-X to see a full breakdown of the research along with Gene's suggestions and recommendations. And be sure to stay on the lookout for future studies. We'll be running them often and quickly to bring you the very latest data so you can make the most informed decisions. And of course, we'll continue having Jean as a guest on our podcasts to get her insights firsthand. Thanks again, Jean. Thank you. And thank you all. Please stay happy and healthy. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.